Happy New, New Year. Year from Project A Plus to you in your homes and your ears. What are we doing on this year podcast? Uh, we're celebrating the year 2022 in retrospect because it is now 2023. In fact, it's been 2023 for nigh on two weeks. Mm. And by nigh on, I mean a day after two weeks. So what are we going to do to celebrate the year that was? To bring in the year that will be? Uh, well, as you can hear, we're, we're sitting on some deck chairs on the beach. Mm. <laughs> Um, and uh, what have we got with us? We've got a, a couple of custom cocktails, as is our want at this time of year. A couple of custom cocktails? What? Well, we we have one recipe, but two cocktails. That's true. That's true. What is this cocktail exactly? Well, here this is this is of my design. It's my twist on a customary gimlet, uh, to which I've added uh, some blood orange juice and some champagne. Your blood orange uh, soda, rather. Should we take a big sip of this real quick? Just to yes. get in the new year? Yes. Bottoms up. Mmm. Mmm. I have to say, my version of it at least, pretty tasty. Not too sweet. Not bad. Not too sweet. Not bad. Um, what type of champagne did you use? I used a Brut. Uh, yeah, mine's basically a Brut. I'm not sure if it was actually labeled as a Brut, but that's the one I normally tend to buy. I bought mine uh, because it was in a can. Really? <laughs> so, yeah. It was cheaper, and I knew that I didn't have to. Pres- I didn't want to preserve any for later, so bought a can. Yes, yeah, not bad. But he, that's not all we. That's not all we have because that's just satisfying one of our uh, core, you know, uh, dietary requirements. What, what else do we have uh, in addition to that? Uh, we've each designed our own custom pizza for the occasion. Hmm. Now, each of these pizzas was supposed to have a surprise element. Is that correct? Yes. One or more surprise elements. Yes. I have two surprise elements. Now, uh, let's hear about your pizza first, because I revealed my... uh, I I did a drink. So, all right. So, my pizza is um, kind of a weird uh, creation of mine. Mm. I don't know if this has been invented before. Probably Mm. has, actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll, I'll dub it an Irish pizza. Mm. Where you got the Irish curry and fries. Exactly. So that's that's what makes it Irish. Is it's the the classic mm. um, Irish chip shop curry, fries, cheese thingamajig that you find all over Ireland, also Scotland. Nice. Um, and I've just put that on top of a pizza base. <laughs> that's my pizza. Let's hear you take a bite. The curry sauce acted in the same manner as the tomato sauce. <laughs> the cheese Christ. is mozzarella, like a normal pizza. Mm. Um, but instead of uh, any other additions, I, I have uh, home-cooked fries. Mm. Let me give this a taste. Or do you want to introduce yours first, and then we'll both yeah. taste ours at the same time? Let's do it. All right, go. So I didn't go quite as inventive as you. I basically made a standard pineapple and bacon pizza. But I added two little twists to it. One is that I poached an egg and put that on top. Mm-hmm. The other is I sprinkled a copious amount of curry powder. There you go. So we've got a similar flavor profile yeah. in some senses. Yeah. Let's take a bite real quick. Mmm. That's not bad at all. Yeah. I'm enjoying this. Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. Mm. <laughs> Maybe you should uh, open up a pizza mm. shop. Mmm. 
After you immigrate to America, of course. Oh, that's that's like legitimately delicious. Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, I think probably you should uh, market it or something. Like I do like the purest form of this meal, where it's just in like a container and it's just chips, curry sauce, and fries. No. Yeah. I mean chips, curry sauce, and cheese. Yeah. But over time, it gets like less appealing. Hmm. And you're kind sure. of just slopping your way through it at a certain point. Right. I think the the base balances it out a little bit. Mm. And the fact that it's got the, the topping is kind of distributed evenly across the pizza. It's not an overwhelming bite. And right. I, I feel like I could eat like half this pizza now. Um, this is good. Well, Hugh, uh, is there any uh, life stuff you want to talk about before we get into our list? Or should we just do it? I mean, I'm unemployed. I've been doing absolutely nothing for the past two weeks, so mm. I have no stories. Watching Severance? Uh, I do have to finish watching that. I haven't <laughs> been able mm. to uh, bring myself to do it thus far because it's awful and I hate it. Mm. But I did pay for Apple TV Plus, so I feel like I must watch it. You should watch, uh, you should watch Mythic Quest. Oh, God. I tried that already. You should try it again. There's three seasons now or something like that. <laughs> That just feels like one of those shows that just happens regardless of whether anyone watches it or talks about it ever. That's true of like every streaming show, though, except for like Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, there's like some exceptions, like, you know, House of the Dragon or whatever. Hmm. For the most part, you'll go on a Netflix TV show that you vaguely remember as Wikipedia page, but this had four seasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not talking about TV today. We're only talking about movies. The only art form that matters. So what's been happening in your life? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say the last week has been very long. And I'm tired. Yeah, I can imagine. I have no, I'm going to have no respite from it. So I have to work today. I worked yesterday. And I'm going to work tomorrow and the day after that. So. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got some lists, so we're going to do three lists as you're paring down even more our traditional number. In accordance with the rising uh, cost of living. And because the pod is, is just too good. We don't want to give people more than they can handle. Let's get into the list. We have to preamble. Oh, I guess we're going to do a best of the year, worst of the year. Both of those will be limited to ten. And then we're going to do our uh, traditional list that I think is fun. Maybe you don't. Maybe you hate it. We talk about some films that... Uh, were critically acclaimed, but that we couldn't be bothered to watch because they sounded like they'd be a chore or bad. It's definitely the easiest list to make because I can. You just look at a list of the top most acclaimed films of the year, and you can pick off like five instantly almost. And also, I think that um, it's a uh, something that no other podcast, as far as I know, does. Which I think is fun. <laughs> nice. Hmm. So, anyway, okay. <clears throat> Should we uh, get into it? Should we get into our worst of the year? Yep. What should we say about this year? It was a pretty bad year for cinema, I think we'll agree. Uh, I, I don't really know how you would know, considering you watched 20 movies for this. So. Yeah, so we're, we're doing a top 10 and a bottom 10. 20 films in total. And I watched exactly 20 films. Uh, uh, I, did, I didn't really get that much many more videos. I was planning on watching more, but life uh, interceded. So. so what was your total? I got 25. <laughs> so you only left off five films yeah i left off zero films so this is basically just my top 20 if you want to put it that way 
So neither of us necessarily got the biggest overview of cinema this year. No, like, again, think when you say, like, it's not a good year for cinema, it's really hard to actually know unless you're a proper critic in the trenches watching everything that comes out. Because I'm sure there's a ton of good stuff that gets no press. No way. That's, that's, why, I, that's what I think we should do next year. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you mean this year or 2024? 2023. 2023. Okay. I think we should try to be more current with cinema and see if we could uh, get, a, get a pulse, put our fingers to the pulse of what's going on. Yeah. This time we'll, we'll watch at least 50 films that come out in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Let's commit to it right now. Well, I mean, if we if we commit to having at least the feature film for any given episode from 2023... Except except the one for next next episode. That'll be the one exception. Which is what? White Noise. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But every, every other one is going to be a film for 2023. Because then we've got like a good foundation and then we can yeah. explore our own avenues and our own time to uh, build on that as necessary. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's give it to that. All right. Uh, so should we get into our list? Uh, this is the top 10 now, worst bonded. films of 2022 yeah. Starting with based on the films we watched in 2022. Now, many of these were we have watched together or we both watched. Yeah. In fact, I don't think... Is there a single film that's on your list that I haven't seen? I guess except for those... I don't, I don't, I don't Yes, there are. Yeah. There are a handful. Most of the films that you've watched, I've seen. Yes. All right. Uh, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I don't care. Okay. Well, I, you know what? I'm going to start. Now, for my choice for the 10th worst film of the year is a film that came out in the beginning of the year. Last January, in fact... A little movie came out in, in cinemas, was widely released, called Scream, 2022 Scream. Did that come out in 2022? <laughs> it did indeed. It came out, let's see, let's see exactly movie? what it came out. There was a Scream movie that came out in 2022. I it's vaguely six. remember that happening, but it came out almost in G- like it, it's a it dream. Came out, it came out exactly a year ago. Wow. Yep. And you know what? Um... This movie, uh, it has kind of a fun premise, but it totally botches execution. And like another film that will appear on both of our lists, it is very annoyingly online. And in fact, references <laughs> references a film by the director of this other film that we're going to talk about. Nice. Uh, and I think one of the, the biggest flaw you can make to a screen movie is to make it about online discourse. And they did it! <laughs> The killer is like a toxic film, bro. <laughs> yeah, love it, love it. <laughs> the reveal that he's like a, a red pill redditor who is he's a mega fan of like the Stab franchise. Maybe want to blow my brains out. So who made this? Uh, just some fucking I don't know. Do we to read the directors? Are you gonna recognize them? <laughs> it's just some guys. Yeah, yes, please. Yes. Hey, Matt Bettin- Bettinelli open. Tyler Gillett directed it. Does that, does that ring a lot of bells for you? Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't have much uh, of they a... They made... Uh, um, Ready or Not. Sorry, Australia's not. own Samara Weaving. Is that uh, Jackie Weaving's daughter? Uh, <laughs> is that a bit of Nepo casting? No, it, it is Nepo casting, but not in the way that you suggested, because that woman's name is Jackie Weaver. Oh, Weaving, is it? Okay. Yeah, Weaving, but it is like her uncle, Hugo Weaving. (laughs) (laughs) 
I kind of, I kind of missed the ball on that one. Of the, of the four Australian actors you could have named, you picked one of the wrong ones. <laughs> Oh, that's um, very funny. Anyway, anyway, we're not talking about that that film. We're talking about Scream. You know what? This film had some fun kills, I'll say. Um, but at the end, I thought it was I thought it was pretty bad. So that's it. So Scream twenty two twenty two is my tenth worst movie of the year. Probably if I had watched more stuff, uh, it would have been bumped, but I didn't. So it wasn't. Okay, so my uh, tenth worst film of 2022 slash mm. my twentieth favorite film of 2022 mm. is uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Should we now, do the thing? Wait, 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 wait. Let's pause. Should we do the thing where we uh, both talk about it when the other person brings it up? Oh uh, yeah. So whoever ranks it higher gets the honor of um, starting that discussion. Yeah. Is that right. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's All do right. That. Fine. Okay. So that's also on my list. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> now. My number, number nine. My number nine film is coincidentally the first time uh, that we shared a, a THC substance together. Uh, it is Kevin's, the, Mr. Kevin Smith's film, Works 3. Yeah. Um, and I assume that's on your list, so we could save it for uh-huh. when it comes up on yours. Uh, my ninth worst, uh, again, is a film I can't speak about yet, I presume. Mm. Uh, it's Confess Fletch. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, no. That's too bad. <laughs> No, no, if it's, if it's on different lists, then, we could, then you could talk about it. Okay, really? Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so go ahead. Tell, tell me why you did like Confess Flash. Well, I will say this was a genuine disappointment to me in that I really wanted to just have a good time with a, a wow. fun, mildly <laughs> amusing mystery <laughs> in exotic locales, I hoped, because the poster with an with a, with a, um, image of the Colosseum in the background mm. promised... A more exotic film than the no. one we actually got. Yeah, no. it's basically almost all set at night in, in pretty empty-looking Boston <laughs> streets. Yeah, shot in a kind of ugly digital way. I thought, mm. but my main problem is that it wasn't even mildly amusing. At least to me, it was mm. simply just not amusing. <laughs> I don't think there was a single joke that landed. Oh, Again, you, didn't, you didn't like the scene where all the people were coming in during dinner. That was fun. That was funny. No. Oh, Actually, on. I mean, I mean that is that is a slight exaggeration. The only joke that I, again, didn't love at, but almost appreciated, was him saying five stars every time he got out of a mm. car. See, that was one of the things. It's I Not didn't much of a joke. Like. That, that was something that I didn't like and didn't think. Was that funny. was the closest to <laughs> appreciating any of the humor in this film. Wow, that's too bad. Yeah, like the sort of jokes that I was hoping for was something that would make you smile or, or internally say, you know, that was an okay line. Mm, but, well. <laughs> but for whatever reason, nothing worked with me with this film. So then I was just left with the mystery. Mm. And I will say that the mystery side of thing is completely unengaging to the <laughs> point where it just became nonsense mm. and pretty irrelevant. Mm. And it was just like Fletch talking to people and me mm. not caring for the entire stretch of the film, and then Kyle MacLachlan pulls out a gun, I'm like, okay, he's mm. the bad guy. So well, spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. But, like, yeah, which is which is fine for a certain type of detective mm. film where, you know, the way the incomprehensibility of the mystery is baked into the genre, mm. certainly with certain hard-boiled yeah, like detective fiction. Yeah, like particular. But the pleasures come out in other ways. Mm. And I just didn't, I just didn't receive the pleasures in any other way or find pleasure in this film, unfortunately. Wow, that's too bad. 
I have no particular fondness for the original Fletch films. I have only a distant memory of seeing one or both of them as a child. Mm. Nor do I have a particular fondness for Chevy Chase. But I will say that John Hamm is, is no Chevy Chase, and this film kind of demonstrates wow. that. Wow. Wow. I get that he really, really wants to be funny. Like, that his, seems know, to be man. his career turn. We'll, He's like, we'll no, I'm not just the it. handsome guy from Mad Men. I'm quirky. I want to be funny. I can, I can take a joke, which is good for him. That's fine. But uh, he does come across like a handsome guy who wants to be treated like mm. a funny guy. Except he's not especially funny. I didn't think he was very good in this, to be honest. Mm. I've seen him in other things that are more comedies, um, and I, I suppose they're more building on his persona that mm. was popularized with Mad Men, and they, they work okay, I guess. But I don't think he's a great comedic actor, mm. which is a shame. I wanted to like this more than I did. It's not, it's not terrible. It's okay, mm. but... I just wanted one or two good jokes throughout the experience, <laughs> and uh, I didn't get that. That's my number nine. Well, we'll have more to say about this later. I didn't think we were going to fight about this either when you recommended it. Yeah, that's too bad. And you said, like, you, you should watch it so we can have something to fight about. And you, you turned out to be prescient in that prediction. <laughs> uh, I thought I would like it, actually. So yeah, there you go. Well, that's too bad. This is what happened. Too bad. My next movie is a film that I know is not on your list because I know you didn't see it. Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That's my number seven. Mm. <laughs> um, now, not only now most films of this list, you know, I feel like they gave me pain. That was the dominant version. Mm. Now, this film didn't make me feel that much pain, but it just made me feel sad. <laughs> it's just depressing to see a great, very entertaining director like Sam Raimi made the three best superhero movies, bar none. Yes. Three, uh-huh. It's just sad to see him uh, be defeated, <laughs> be, be reduced <laughs> to emptily and pathetically demonstrating his style in this piece of shit crap <laughs> that doesn't work on any level. This movie is fucking awful. It doesn't even exploit its central premise at all. It's annoying. It's not funny. It's not fun. It's not moving. It's nothing. There's nothing to this film. And the only emotion that I got from it was... Just pure sadness. Sadness that Raimi was reduced to making this piece of shit. Sadness that he, they, you know, they, they let him have a couple camera moves. Oh, it's from the point of the view of the monsters. It's just like the Evil Dead. Wow, I watched this Sam Raimi movie. And it just it just made me feel really, really sad. I don't know what to say besides that. <laughs> so, uh, I think, um, I don't think anyone should watch this movie unless you... Right, the mood to be depressed about the state of film and the state of the way in which uh, movies treat uh, their uh, some of their greatest uh, creators. Anyway, that's that's that. My number eight is Falling for Christmas. Is this on your number list seven? As well? Your number seven? Eight. Eight. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess I meant to. Say, I guess I meant to say eight uh, when I said Doctor Strange. Okay. All right. It is on my list. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Alright. Now, my number seven is a film that I think you were geared up to for us to fight about. Um, but uh, I think I've seen the light on this one. And uh, this is a movie called Glass Onion A Knives Out Mystery. <laughs> wow, I know really? That's on, I, know that's on, I know that's on your list. So. No, it's not on my 10 worst. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's insane. All you did was fucking complain about it. <laughs> Yeah, I have a lot of problems with it, but 
given the 20 films I had to work with. Mm. <laughs> uh, I thought, yeah, I think that um, it, it, as time went on, my memories of enjoying some of the mystery elements were completely overwhelmed by the fact this movie is terrible, and that's all there is. <laughs> it looks like shit. The, mis- the central mystery is unengaging. The performances are annoying. It's very toothless, and it's satire. And, uh, and it's too fucking long. It's like two and a half hours. It's too cute. All these fucking cameos by, by Stephen Sondheim. This is pathetic. This is pathetic shit. Now, this, uh, you know, there are elements of this that I did enjoy. I'll admit it. But overall, I think this movie is, is really bad. Last Idea and Nice Out Mystery is my favorite. What's yours? Uh, my number seven is Spirited. I assume that's mm. going to appear on your list shortly. It is, it is indeed. <laughs> so we'll proceed to your number six. Uh, my number six is another film that I know you didn't watch, which is called Bell. It's an anime film that I went and saw at IMAX. And, uh, really? Yep, and it, uh, it's pretty bad. Is it? Who that's made all it? all I got. Uh, this, this cat named uh, Mamoru uh, Hosada, who is a pretty... Well-known anime director. He's like a I know, he directed like Summer Wars and Wolf Children. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought this movie was really bad, and I didn't enjoy watching it at all. Um, and it, it feels it, it has like the worst tendency of anime movies now. It's like, oh, isn't this this is supposed to be really heartwarming? Isn't this heartwarming and cute? It's like, fuck you. <laughs> I, I hate this. I hate this shit. It's it's just a it's a bad movie. I don't know what to say. It has a hilarious, like, child abuse storyline, too. Um, but I don't think it's successfully resolved at all. So, that's all I got. What is your number six, my friend? Uh, my number six is Selena Gomez, colon, My Mind and Me. <laughs> Why did you watch that? <laughs> so, I was trying to fill out my list, and I had an Apple plus TV subscription for a month, uh, which I originally mm. signed up for in order to watch Spirited, which was my number seven pick. Mm. Um, so I just had a look at the movies that were available there, and I thought a music documentary would go down easy. Mm. Was that true? Did it, did it go down easy? Uh, I mean, it's like it's like nothing. It's like watching nothing for 90 minutes. So in, in one sense, I guess, it's, it's not mm. exactly demanding. You didn't find her struggles with mental illness to be moving? Well, I will say this makes for an interesting companion piece with Blonde, which I will mm. speak about later. But you actually watched that? <laughs> I did, yeah. Wow. But despite wow. this film's effort to, quote-unquote, portray the dark side of fame and offer us an unvarnished look at uh, Selena Gomez's struggles mm. with mental illness and other illnesses such as lupus... Not lupus. This uh, ends up being as much as a product as anything that her record company would turn out. And I really burst out laughing when it culminated in the, the premiere of her new tie-in single, also called By Mind and Me, which plays over the credits. So. That's a little cruel, bro. That's a little cruel. <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually think she's not bad in um, Only Murders in the Building. I just don't mm. like the show. I like Martin Short. I like Steve Martin. I like Selena mm. Gomez. Do you now? And the show lets them down. All right, should I do my next one? Yes, please. Number five. Number five. I got Falling for Christmas. We've already talked about this film that way. It's pretty bad. Yeah. All right, you done? Yep. <laughs> 
My number five is The Fablemans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, man. Go ahead, go ahead. This is a very strange film, I will say. That's true. It feels like a, a simulacrum of an autobiographical film. Mm. <laughs> Everything is just slightly off. We do need to talk about the cast. Great, great cast. So we've got Michelle Williams as the fake Steven Spielberg's mother. Mm. With this histrionic, somewhat overwrought Academy performance. Mm. We've got we've got Seth Rogen way out of his depth. <laughs> I thought he was terrible. Great, per- great, per- great performance. Here. Great performance. And finally we have Paul Dano, <laughs> who somehow manages to be both jarring and non existent. <laughs> great, great performance. <laughs> It really feels what, more what like she, a film. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you be non-existent if Seth Rogen talked to you? Yeah, I guess so. Well, it's this non-person. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really feels to me like it, the film is more about Spielberg being unable to reckon with his past than it mm. is a film about his past. That's why it's good, man. So the key, the key events are all there. All the characters tell us exactly what to think about everything that is happening. Oh, come on. Children and bullies become, like, inexplicably articulate. (laughs) And and the result is that everything feels really hollow and shallow and kind of weirdly distant as well. I think Spielberg could have made a better film with a less uh, analogous protagonist if it was less directly Mm. based on events in his life, but it was about an upcoming filmmaker as on the nose as that would seem. I think he probably mm. could have made a better film. But I will grant mm. that this film is very fascinating. But it did feel like a misfire to me. I'd actually very much recommend Walter Chow's review of this. I think in this case he's really on the money. In <laughs> Do you not like it? The way, in the review he talks about the way the film reveals more in its weirdness than Spielberg may have intended. And I think that's true. That's why it's great, bro. But I, I just don't think it worked on the whole. So that's my... Number five. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. I guess we'll be talking about that later. You're number four, sir. Alright, uh, what do I got? My number four is a film that we watched together called Night of the Coconut. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's I know it's on your list, so uh, so my number four is a film we watched together as well. It's Clerks Three. Now I have to say, you know, I was not prepared for Clerks Three to be at the most fun of my list, but uh, it's kind of grown up, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I agree. And actually, when you mentioned it uh, earlier, I was thinking, yeah, I should probably have ranked this much higher than I did. <laughs> I would have ranked this much lower if I had watched this on my own. But we watched this together in Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> yep. we, we premiered it in your living room. And yeah. uh, <laughs> that, does, that does alter my perception of this film. It does engender in me a certain fondness towards it that the film doesn't earn. <laughs> I think I, you know what, and I, I don't know, man. I think uh, <laughs> obviously this movie is terrible, but you know it's it's just kind of it's just kind of nice to see Smith just doing his thing still, even if it sucks. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, I kind of agree. Like, it's, it's it is funny that he's able to do this and just make just the worst <laughs> films in the world and be like, oh, this is my baby. It's so emotional to me and it, it responds to stuff that happened in my real life. It has so much meaning. It's just like the worst piece of shit ever. I do kind of respect that. Well, that's 4-3 leads you down weird paths, but this is one of them. Yeah, yeah. 
So I should have ranked it high, I will say that. I liked what this film means to Kevin Smith. And I think uh, it's it's nice. It sucks, but it's nice. I'm glad I'm glad that he I'm glad that he got to make it. Yeah, I can care. I can care. And I, I'm sure like every other film of his that I've watched, I'll return to it in a couple of years and give it And be like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Item three is Spirited, the aforementioned uh, Spirited. Uh, it's, it's extraordinarily annoying and terrible. I didn't find it that bad. <laughs> well, that's because you were fucking stupid. <laughs> What's your number three? Uh, my number three, I presume, is, is your number two or one, and it's uh, mm. Marcel the Shell. <laughs> Marcel the Shell with shoes on. We'll have to see what where that ranked on my list. Maybe I was yeah. just cat, I was just catfishing you. Or uh, well, okay. Do you want me to talk about it now or wait until it, we reveal <laughs> if it's on your list or not? No, it's it's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, should I should I talk about my number two, Hugh? My number two? Yes. Well, my number two is the film you just said, which is for Self the Shell with Shoes on. Wow. Wow. Now this is one of the most annoying movies that's ever been made. And I legitimately think if someone watches this like, wow, this made me feel something about myself. This would be connect with the emotional problems that I have. They should kill themselves. <laughs> it's like if you need a fucking shell that has the most annoying fucking voice in the world. It'd be like, oh man, isn't isn't it sad? Isn't wife sad? But but I gotta get on with it. I failed the shell. Uh, I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> if Marcel started talking to me, I would fucking step on it and, and smash it to bits. <laughs> fuck 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 Marcel. This film feels exactly like what it is, which is a, an idea originally conceived for a three-minute video stretched out to feature length. Mm. So your Marcel mileage may vary. For some of us, it's uh, exactly zero miles. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's fair to say that you can feel the strain in the film that we got. Maybe you put up with its feeble narrative mm. if you found if you found anything this little creep said in any way charming. But this was a rough, rough viewing experience. Can I quote from a positive <laughs> letterbox review of this film? Yes, please. Now, again, this just proves that we're living in a society where everyone's brain is turned to fucking mush. Wait, we're living in a society? Yeah. yeah. Okay, ready? Now, this is this is from the letterbox from your silent dot. I don't care. I'm, I'm fucking quoting it directly. <laughs> <laughs> a, di- a 95 out of 100. Okay, a 95 out of 100. Now, this is the, this is the lines of dialogue that he quotes. Now, I'm going to try to do Marcel's voice. Ready? What if everything changes? It will. Isn't that moving, bro? Uh huh. It's just like it, again. Is if that you, if you, no, there's there's a, a big paragraph. There's lots of paragraphs to it about his dad or whatever. Who cares? But <laughs> <laughs> just the fact that it, it it it's like oh, isn't this funny that Marcel does all these charming quirky little things? And it's like, well, actually, this is a serious movie about. Growing up and accepting change drug, accepting death. Death happens, man. It's like fuck off. Fuck fuck Marcel. I fucking hate this film so much. <laughs> the fact again, the fact that anyone gives it positive reviews just proves that we're living in a world that where everyone's brain has been turned to mush by mom. <laughs> I think that's all there that is to it. If you have to fucking go to a shell to give you profound life lessons, like honestly, like there's no hope. <laughs> 
See, I don't, I don't care too much about like the twee aesthetic that is is baked into this film. <laughs> well, I care about it in so much that it sucks. <laughs> well, yeah, but but what annoys me is that a lot of the dialogue feels improvised. Mm. Maybe there was enough to fill a three-minute short film. Fair enough. Mm. That some people find charming and I don't. But that's that's you know that's their thing. But um, to try and extend this patter over 90 minutes is excruciating. Uh, fucking torture. <laughs> the only thing I wondered about is, do they actually pitch shift her voice or can she make that voice naturally? If it's the latter, I'm, I'm somewhat impressed, actually. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like it would hurt like hell if, that is her dad, if she could naturally do that. And by her, we mean Jenny Slate. You know what? I realized that Jenny Slate is in my two least favorite films of this year, so. I guess that's a spoiler. Wow. What are we up to? My number two? Your number two. Now, just one more thing about Marcel. This is one of the worst movies it's been. My number two is The Adam Project. <laughs> oh, I, I forgot to put that on my list. <laughs> well, the reason it ranks so lowly is because I also forgot I even watched this. So <laughs> it was only by ranking the release dates or whatever in Letterboxd that I was able to like, oh, yeah, we did watch The Adam Project. That's really stayed in my mind. <laughs> Even though we de- dedicated like a whole episode to it. I mean, spirit, spirit, spirit is worse. I don't, I don't agree. Like, Adam Project is just product. Like, there's no inspiration. Spirited is kind of weird. You don't even, like, uh, it doesn't even register. <laughs> I didn't even put it on my list because I forgot. Well, there you go. That's why it should be the second worst film of the year. Adam, the Adam Project is, like, the perfect Netflix movie, though. It's the perfect, emblematic Netflix movie. Anyway, what's your number one? Uh, my number one is the film you already mentioned called Everything Everywhere All Once. Really? Yeah. Now, you, I did not hate. You like that more than I did. Now, Hugh, I did not uh, hate this movie when I watched it, but being fucking pummeled by this film for the last, like, nine months or however but long that's it's not been, the film's fault. Come on. It is the film's Be fault. Be fair. It is the it's film's fault. It's not the fault. film's fault. The film is fucking terrible. That's all there is to it. I hate this movie. I hate the fucking Daniels. I hope they die. <laughs> and it's evil and bad. It's bad. It's terrible. It's terrible. So I watched this during the most uncomfortable flight of my entire life, which was like the 16-hour return trip from um, New York to Melbourne mm. or whatever it was. I can't even remember. Um, and, and maybe that wasn't the ideal circumstance to watch this film because I was, I was feeling a lot of physical discomfort while I was watching it. Mm. But the fact that 60% of this film is in third-act mode Torture. was extremely exhausting to me and you know it's not exactly a surprise that this film was made by music video directors known for their inventive visuals and i hate that genre of film. How, how long <laughs> can you guess how long this movie was it's like two hours and ten minutes it's two hours, it's and, 20 two minutes. hours and 20 minutes that's fu- that's a fucking eternity to spend in this maximalist mode because i was like for the start of it, i was like all right fine whatever this is like a a sort of Matrix knockoff kind of premise. I like seeing Michelle Yeoh and all that sort of stuff, but this it just made me, really this made me just like I, I've come to dislike Michelle Yeoh because this movie. 
Now the film, this film, you know, it has jokes that I first was like, oh, this is kind of funny. And then it ruins them. Like, just keep on returning to them over and over again. It's like, it just reminds me, it's the most annoying internet, like, normy movie humor, you know? It's like, oh, what if we had hot dog figures? And then it's like, what if the hot dog figures were actually in a very uh, emotional, lesbian relationship? It's like, fuck off, my God. <laughs> Watching that shit made me want to kill myself, honestly. Now, the bit that made me want to kill myself was the um, in the mood for love illusion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Hey, did they think that they had hired uh, Maggie Chung first? It's not like Michelle Yeoh was particularly in the Hong Kong art house uh, films. Mm. My worst film of the year, and maybe I could have switched this with the Adam Project, and maybe should have, (laughs) is Mm. Night of the Coconut. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. All I can say is, what did what did we expect? <laughs> Should we explain to the listeners what this film is? <laughs> no. No? Oh, yeah. You and I have been obsessed with this YouTuber, though we, we uh, thankfully have broken this uh, <laughs> desire to... We were obsessed. There was a yeah. phase in our life <laughs> yeah. which we watched. Uh, we started watching his videos uh, you spent, from, you spent from the at jump. least. You spent at least a hundred hours with this man. Listening to him. Yes. More than that, probably. Which man? Well, the director and one of the stars of this film, Patrick H. Bullocks. Who is a famous uh, YouTube video essayist. Yes, he makes terrible film essays and film, like, sketches. Yeah, and I think the, the... The thread, the the underlying story thread that is not part of the text of his channel, but is the the subtext, is his aspirations as a narrative filmmaker. He sort of found success making these video essays, yeah, and has kind of resented the fact that he has been stuck doing mm. that. So yeah. he has insinuated his uh, filmmaking aspirations into those narrative essay videos and um, introduced a certain amount of continuity with this uh, talking coconut across a Mm. year of videos or whatever it was. And that culminated in a feature-length film that ties up all those loose ends. (laughs) And and a a, a, a feature-length film that you can describe with the most depressing uh, descriptor known to man. Straight to Nebula. I don't think there's anything else we need to say about that now. <laughs> but you know what? This film does remind me of everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, because it has a it has a similar annoyed online humor. It's all about fucking multiverses. I fucking hate multiverses. <laughs> but uh, it was fun watching it with you. So <laughs> I can't remember anything about this film. Anything about this film. Mm. We watched it together. It should have been an occasion in Minneapolis again. But uh, Clerks 3 really outshone this film. We watched it after we watched Clerks 3, right? Was it a double feature? Did we watch it? I can't remember those specifics. I think it was Separate Nights. Mm. It could be. But I can't I don't. I don't remember much of it either, honestly. It is weird. Like, it just happened. It was just like, well, that was, you know, <laughs> again, what did we expect? <laughs> that was, that was, that was uh, three years of our lives. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we saved this film as well because it was like released mm. a few, like several months prior to uh, the time we were going to actually watch it. So, mm. yeah, that's true. A lot of build up. Who could live up to that? Certainly not Patrick H. Williams. Anyway, should we uh, get on off our list? Oh, we're doing the acclaimed films we didn't care about. Five acclaimed films that neither of us could be bothered watching this year, last year. And why don't you start with this one? Because uh, I started with the last one. Uh, let's see, what have I got here? The Menu. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. It's not on my list, but I agree with you. Cool. I, I barely even know what it is. <laughs> uh, is actually, Alicia, Alicia watched it. <laughs> and? Uh, she said it was fine. But uh, <laughs> it, it means that my uh, uh, brain control techniques have started to work. Because she was like... <laughs> you know, uh, I, 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 uh, I, I thought this one was okay. But uh, I kept on thinking about you when I was watching it. How much you would dislike it. How you would, <laughs> the specific things you would complain about. So... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, it's right. working. That's my first choice. What's yours? My first one is the biggest one on my list by far, which is a tar. <laughs> That's also on my list, so we could both talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it's just. Come on, man. Like, I, I don't care. It's fucking directed by Todd Field. Like, how could you possibly get excited for a movie directed by Todd? Just the premise, the, the like way it's been acclaimed, the fact that it's like two and a half hours long. I'm like, come on. You, you, this movie is isn't good. It's not, yeah, Jeez. it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. There's no way it's good. What do you what do you think? Who is Todd Field anyway? He directed Little Children and uh, one other film. What's it called? In the bedroom. Yes. Two very serious middle brow movies. Well, there's a huge gap between Little Children and Tar. He's like an actor or some shit. Oh, he's an Aqua Team. He's in Eyes Wide Shut. He's in Twister. Anyway, uh, Tar just looked like, you know, shitty white elephant art, uh, middle of the road crap. I don't know, I don't know why people. What do, you, what do you think about it? Just Kate Blanchett being in it puts me off in a way. <laughs> yeah. I don't dislike Kate Blanchett, but nor do I like Kate mm. Blanchett especially, so... I would say I don't like her. I would say I more dislike than like her. She kind of annoys mm. me. Let's see, what what films is she in? She's definitely like an I'm an actor actor. Oh, she's going the fucking Borderlands movie. Jesus Christ. Wait, she's in the Borderlands movie? Yes. <laughs> what is the Borderlands movie? Is it actually live action? It's an adaptation? Yeah, it's, I, I think so. It's directed by fucking Eli Roth. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I am not. I am not. Is it written by, like, <laughs> those written, awful people who wrote the game? No, it's written by Eli Roth and Craig Mazin. Holy shit. We, we have to do this movie on the podcast. <laughs> Oh my god. Wait, wait, listen to this. Two weeks of reshoots directed by Tim Miller, the guy who directed the first uh, Deadpool movie. has a cameo. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, we, ha- we have to go see this movie in theaters and do episodes on it. 
We should also, now that we're like playing games <laughs> together, yeah, we should yeah. play that Spielberg uh, directing game. <laughs> <laughs> we should play that. <laughs> the one where you like watch Tarantino direct a film or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> and <Penitella ruin> <laughs> We talked about this on like the first episode of Pretty Day Plus. Um, so we've got to list more acclaimed films mm. we didn't care about, right? Yeah, should I do my third one? Or second one? Second one? <laughs> Actually, it's your turn, I think. Uh, okay. Top Gun Maverick. Mm, I watched that. Maybe we'll be talking about that later. <laughs> Maybe we'll be, but uh, I couldn't be bothered watching it. I didn't care. Mm. So there you go. Never, never mm. seen Top Gun. Probably never will. Me, me neither. Uh, the other one I got was After Sun, which is it's like A24 shit or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some indie, weepy shit. That's a deal. Anyway, what's your next one? Triangle of Sadness. Oh, uh, I should have put that on my list. <laughs> yeah, that movie looks fucking terrible. Yeah, it, it is. But you had to admit, it is really funny that it won the Pop Door. Yes. Uh, um, and the fact that it was the filmmaker's second plot VR too, mm-hmm. it's like, come on, man. And that's anyway. within within three or four years that the square was. It was like, no, out. it was like five years, but it was his last okay. film. So I saw the square the first year I moved to New York, so it was in 2017. And it right. won. Um, so that's five years, but it, again, it was his next movie after that, so. <laughs> anyway, uh, who's who sort of said? Um,. The Banshees of Inner Sharon. Oh, uh, yeah. That's also why I have my list. Yeah, it looked really boring. Now, I have a film that I know you watched for this. Mm-hmm. Probably not in its original, uh, in its original language. You watched it on Netflix. I got Triple R. Fun fact, you can't watch it on Netflix in its original language. I know, that's why I said so that. So it's a Talaga film. Yeah, you can only watch it in Hindi. The only choice, aside from English and other countries that have no relation to India, is Hindi. And that is how I watched it. And mm, the reverse. actors in the film did dub the film in Hindi as well. So uh, I thought that was like the closest compromise. Probably. But I, I, I found that really annoying when I watched it. I was mm. like, can I actually watch the original version, please? Not on Netflix. But you should watch it. I'm, I'm telling you, you should watch it. <laughs> um, including you as the critics that are claiming this that I'm not going to listen to. If um, I didn't watch it, and I only watched it for this podcast, I would have also put it on the list, probably. Mm. Well, uh, that's, that's nice. But I will say that it was an acclaimed film that I originally cared about, and then didn't care about because of how many people... <laughs> <laughs> posted shit about it in the hey, uh, that's how, that's how I feel that's how I feel that's how I feel when I first heard of it I was like yeah that sounds that sounds up my alley mm. because I was interested already in the parallels between the Indian action cinema um, paradigm of now and um, mm. the, the industry Kong in Hong Kong mm. in the golden age so right, I do have one more movie written down here which is uh, Avatar 2 <laughs> Yeah, I also wrote down uh, the Fable ones, even though I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not fair. You have to find another one. <laughs> no, I've got five. Okay, okay. The Menu, Top Gun, Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, Banshees, and Tar. It's my mm. five. 
So we only had two overlaps in this space. Yeah. I, I probably should have chosen the other than Avatar, because it wasn't, like, hugely critical. It was not. Whatever. Okay, uh, should we move on to our best of the year? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we got we both have ten films here. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping that uh, my list wouldn't include some of the ones that it did. But, you know, you got to make what do what you got. I think there'll be some overlap on our list just based on what I know that you Anyway, should we get to it? Yep. Okay, my number 10 is Top Gun Maverick, uh, yada yada, you know, entertaining, it's fine, whatever, who cares. Next one, what's your number 10? My number 10 is The Batman. Mmm. A uh, film that we'll talk about later. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, my number 9 is uh, Magic Spot. What's uh, that? A film directed by Charles Roxburgh and stars Matt Farley. Um, I watched this last night, so I haven't had, haven't had quite enough time to let it simmer in my brain. But um, if you've entered into the Motorn Media uh, universe, you kind of know what to expect of this, even if it removes some of the horror elements of their uh, other films and theaters I've seen and replaces it with some wacky sci-fi stuff. The premise of this movie is it takes place in small-town America where... Uh, the character that Matt Farley plays is the host of a local television program. Um, and uh, basically, him and his, his cousins realize that their uncle was supposed to have died um, years after they were born, uh, instilled in them this poem that when they recite it all together, takes them to this magic spot in the woods which is this rock that lets them travel back in time. <laughs> now, uh, I think that, uh, like most of the uh, Matt Farley, Charles Roxburgh uh, joints, uh, you know, this is a film that relies on the vibes. And if you like the vibes of these people hanging out and uh, having this contrived and convoluted sci-fi narrative uh, play out over this low-key and comedic atmosphere, if you think that is funny like I do, you'll get a lot of mileage out of this film. You don't, you probably won't enjoy it, but I thought this was supremely enjoyable, uh, and uh, I thought it was yeah, very delightful and funny. And that's Magic Spot. What's your number eight, my friend? My number nine is... What's your number nine, uh, my friend? Glass Onion. Mm. A Knives Out Mystery. Hmm. So somehow I've ended up ranking this much higher than you did. <laughs> Despite the fact that you liked it less than I did on initial viewing. Yeah, and it hasn't changed. Like, it's the same as when I first watched it. So this is a retread of the first film, only without the cleverness, I think, or, or the ingenuity. Yeah, this is not as a fun you film. Said, as you said, the, the satire is facile. The mystery is is limp and um yeah it's fucking ugly <laughs> it's not a terrible time by any stretch even though it's quite long i don't think it drags per se but it definitely qualifies as a disappointment i don't get dave batista as an actor at all honestly like i guess he's okay in guardians of the galaxy in that very specific role that i didn't find funny I don't think he does a good approximation of Joe Rogan in this film. 
I think the there's so much that you can make fun of with a Joe Rogan type figure, and uh, this film really barely scratches the surface. Yeah, making him a, a cucked mother's boy just feels like the easy way out. Yeah. It's like if it, if it earlier, if this movie was shot in like the 90s, you would have been gay. Like, that's, that's what it feels like. Yeah. It kind of makes him gay too, so. And we, and we did talk about this at the time, but there was, I, I do think there is like some potential in the idea that the bad guy is actually so stupid and that his like stupidity masks yeah the crime but it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't come out it doesn't come off because you wouldn't expect someone to be that stupid and you're and like the benoit blanc's expectation of his antagonist is higher and it leads him down really track but it doesn't it doesn't play out very well it's very unsatisfactory i think as a mystery it ends up just feeling like there's no real proper antagonist in this film no definitely not I did think Janelle Monet was good in it, though. Really? I thought she was terrible. No, I genuinely did. You liked her. You liked her terrible Southern accent. I mean, you're Southern. You probably can pick it up better than I can. Was it a bad accent? I thought it was bad. I mean, Benoit Blanc has a bad accent, so. but his his accent's like bad on purpose. It's like funny. Comically bad. bad. Yeah. Or is this just bad? Okay, fair enough. Anyway, uh, should we move on to my next one? Yes, please. You just fit uh, that that little spot uh, mocking your it, it disparaging your eighth favorite film of the year. Yep. <laughs> or ninth, whatever. Um, I've already heard you disparage and mock my eighth favorite film of the year, which is Confess Flash, which I yeah. basically found to be what you wanted from this film. That's what I found. For that. I don't really have anything else to say. <laughs> I thought it was very low key and funny, and I just enjoyed like the vibes. And uh, I thought I thought John Hamm was perfectly charming. Hmm. Uh, and you know, again, it, it wasn't a film that made me like burst out laughing, but I enjoyed it. I would watch, I would watch a hundred of these movies. I I was like, yeah, this is this is this is just good. It's just like you know, it's low key. Like I said, I thought the mystery was fine. I mean, it's like you know, kind of nonsensical, but I thought it was fine. I, I liked how like, watching it play out. I enjoyed all the wacky characters. I don't know. I like this film a lot. I'm sorry you couldn't have the same uh, burst of um, pleasure as I did. Yeah, I'm sorry too. <laughs> what's what's your eighth favorite film of the year, my my friend? Uh, it is Shania Twain: colon, Not Just a Girl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is another uh, music documentary that I watched. Mm. It's just a boilerplate. Uh, music documentary okay only of interest to fans but i am a fan so it was moderately interesting to me so it's my eighth favorite film mm. of 2022 <laughs> okay uh, should i say my seventh favorite film 2022 yep you got ambulance the michael bay film uh this is really funny and enjoyable and entertaining that's all you, that's all you need in a similar vein, my number seventh pick is Lost Bullet Two. Mm. Yeah, that is that is pretty pretty close. <laughs> a French action film. Um, it follows uh, very closely uh, on the heels of its uh, predecessor, Lost Bullet One or Lost Bullet. Mm. Um, but the way it uh, picks up from the previous uh, entry is more Benedict. like 
Belle Perdue. Yes. The way it picks up the story from the from its predecessor is more like the next episode of a series uh, as mm. opposed to the next film in a series of films. Um, it's a little bit overcooked. It does lack the first film's uh, pleasing straightforwardness. Mm. So I do think it's a lesser um, film. Are you, are you excited for Lost Bullet 3? Not really. <laughs> are you going to watch it anyway? No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Uh, there you go, that's my number seven. My number seven is a film we already talked about on your top list, which is The Batman. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, I don't know. It's, I love this film. I thought it was great. Just hit all the Batman notes that I, I enjoyed. Uh, reminded me a lot of the uh, Arkham games. I don't know. I don't think you agreed with me on that one, but uh, whatever. Not really. Uh, and I, I just like that broody atmosphere that they conjured up. I thought it was fun. I don't know what to say. <laughs> it, was like, it was like the perfect form of a comic book movie for me. I, I just I just really liked it a lot. I, I thought it was done. I went and saw it. I, I went and saw it. I, I went and saw it twice. You went and saw it twice. I went and saw it twice wow. at theaters. <laughs> I will say it is occasionally visually distinguished. And I, I thought the visual palette, which was is surprising, very, I thought the visual palette is very enjoyable. And fitting for Batman, too. It actually seems to have used the uh, dubious technology of the volume uh, successfully. <laughs> and uh, you can you can thank uh, your boy... Uh, I can. Greg, Greg Frazier. Greg Frazier. I will. Uh, you shot zero number 30. One. Wow. Six. Number six. That was my number six. So my number six is Blonde by another mm-hmm. fellow countryman. Yeah. So you got one Australian film on the list, kind of. I'm assuming this is not on your list because you haven't seen it. I've not seen it. The so, only thing that I got was that Anthony kind of liked it. It was the one reference to it. There you go. And everyone else who I know who's seen it, which is not that many people have ever taken it. So. so it's it's very long. It's relentless. Probably not altogether successful. But I will say that the discomfort it generates by trying to show you the exploitation of Marilyn Monroe while simultaneously exploiting the biography of Marilyn Monroe. It, did it give you a boner? Is a strength as opposed to a weakness. I think I think that discomfort is is its most compelling feature. Mm. Um, but that that's the best thing I can say for it. I, I don't think it's entirely successful, but I, I did find that um, interesting at least. Oh, like I've, I've, I've heard criticisms that it doesn't present a full picture of Marilyn Monroe, which I think mm. is very reasonable. It, it very much doesn't. It's about the exploitation of Marilyn Monroe. It doesn't, it doesn't really present her life as anything but mm. <laughs> relentless exploitation. But, but, I, but I do think that is kind of the point of the film. Now, did you, like, uh, one of Alicia's cousins talk to me when we were at uh, one of the Knights of Shiva the other day? Uh, did you find the anti-abortion message to be striking? That was very strange. <laughs> it was very strange. Um, I, didn't, I didn't quite know what to make of it. I, I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> it, was, it was so bizarre that it, it 
didn't read as that offensive to me just because it was such a strange inclusion in the film. Mm. But I, but like you could certainly, if you wanted to co-opt this as like a pro-life argument, you could easily do that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I really have to take a piss and then uh, we'll come back and I'll do my number five. Mm-hmm. Could hear the toilet flush, bro. Yeah, man. That's hardcore. What's what's your number five, Noah? Uh, apparently, it is uh, Credence Clearwater Revival in brackets <laughs> traveling band hyphen live at the Royal Albert Hall, nineteen seventeen. How was that? Well, it's a half-hearted mini-documentary narrated by Jeff Bridges. 
That's right. A mini documentary. The dude himself. And it pretends uh, that there was no conflict within the band at any point mm. before uh, it transitions into uh, an hour of pretty decent concert footage from aforementioned concert at the Royal Albert Hall. UACCR fam? Yeah, I mean, like, I had a phase where I was, like, buying their records and, like, was really into them, and then I never, ever went back and listened to them ever again. Mm. But I respect them. Definitely a tight band. Like, if you watch the live performance on this, it's, it's like, on par with the records. It's very good. Mm. And I think he's a good songwriter. Sometimes his voice grates on me. Mm. However natural it might have uh, come about, it does feel a little um, forced. Mm. <laughs> Even uh, minstrelly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It's, it's all right. That's my review. I bet, like, uh, your fav- your fa- uh, the, the guy in your favorite review this year, Elvis. That's right. My number four is a film called Armageddon Time. Mm. I thought this was a deeply moving evocation of past and uh, what it meant to be Jew- Jewish, I guess. I don't know. Uh, very, very moving and uh, well, well done, little, little movie. I'm getting What do you got? Let's see. Number four is Crimes of the Future. <laughs> the Fablemans. Um, mediocre script, enjoyable vibe. <laughs> That's my review. No way. Well, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> Right, my number three is a film that you just mentioned about an hour ago. <laughs> Crimes of the Future? It's the Fablemans. It's oh. the Fablemans. I don't know what to say. I love this movie. Uh, and I thought I feel, I feel like it kind of unlocked Spielberg for me in a way that I hadn't been unlocked for me. Is that so? I, I thought it was deeply moving. And uh, I liked all the performances just fine. Who needs Seth Rogen? So I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you like Seth Rogen? <laughs> he was totally fine. I, I didn't like him, but he seems like completely fine. I don't know his, his role was fine. I feel like the the bit where he struggles the most is where he gives um, young Fableman kid the camera, and mm. they have to that, have that confrontation on the street, and he has to like act in a slightly different way than he has previously, where he's just being Seth Rogen. I, I feel I like he struggled it. a lot in that scene. I kind of I thought he was fine in that scene. Um, I mean, I'm not going to hire him for my autobiographical film where I... you not? Watch my mom have sex with another guy, but... <laughs> Look, if they, if they showed some, like, explicit sex scene between Seth Rogen <laughs> and Michelle Williams, five stars, right. this would be my number one film. You, but... who, who, what, what can I say? Did I identify with a young man who's... Uh, emotional pain, uh, mass by being obsessed with movies. Did I? Did I? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I just liked it. I liked. Uh, I love David Lynch's cameo. I thought it was perfect. The movie was great. Everyone's forever. Isn't this weird? Like, I don't know if this is true because it's just a passing reference on the Wikipedia page. And I, I, I tried to follow some of the links to see if the sources verified it, but it was, it was. Um, it was like the director of photography or someone talking about the, the way that they were recreating the original short films that Spielberg made. Mm. But 
they fixed some of the camera angles. Like, you can't do that. That's cheating. You can't recreate his childhood films and then yeah. make them better camera angles. Like, that, that's not fair. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with this guy? I mean, that's that's endemic of one of the problems I have with this. Oh, with this come film. on. You're foolish. Great film. Like, it tries to deal with the messiness of his home life, but it, it, it can't does, really commit. It does, by being messy. It can't commit. It can't commit. It just, like, ties it all up in a neat bow at the end. No way. Great movie. Anyway, what's your number out three? Uh, my number three is uh, Flux Gourmet mm-hmm. uh, by Peter Strickland. Mm. Not a complete success. It it feels like a little bit of a retread for Strickland. It also compares, I would say, unfavorably to some of uh, Peter Greenway's films at points. Mm. But it was okay. It's my third favorite film. <laughs> <laughs> That's too bad. He usually loves Strickland. I really like the Duke of Burgundy. I thought... um, You liked... uh, What was the dress one? The dress one? The dress one was okay. I I thought that was like your favorite film of whatever year it came out. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't watch many films of that given year in a given year. Mm, Not not next year, bro. Not this year. Not this year. (laughs) Yeah. What's like the uh, premise of uh, Flux Gourmet? I don't know anything about it. Well, it actually extends from something that apparently <laughs> Peter Strickland was doing in real life as a kind of, mm-hmm. like, art project joke where he had a, a musical group that would generate the music from the culinary world so they would, like, cook on mm-hmm. stage and there'd be, like, a mixer mixing the sound of the bubbling stew into the art piece and that's kind of oh. what the film is about. A world where that is an acceptable like thing mm. and um it's about a group that has a residency at some i can't really remember who cares <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ dude you get it <laughs> i tell you know, my third pair of this what what film we on two 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 yeah number two uh, second favorite film second favorite film for me i got yeah, ever made Crimes of the Future by David Grover. <laughs> uh, I disagree with your previous guy. I thought the script was arch and hilarious. And I, I love this movie. The vibe was killer. <laughs> I thought, uh, again, I know that you uh, did not like Kristen Stewart in this. And I I, I don't I wouldn't say I dislike her. I think her character is annoyed and she's an annoying actress. But I, <laughs> I thought it worked well. <laughs> well I thought she was kind of supposed to be annoyed. Similar to my reaction to John Hamm in in the Fletch film, mm. it feels like, as it often does with with Robert Pattinson, Kristen Stewart is trying to act away the residue from the Twilight films. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I and it really comes across, and I find that distracting and annoying. Mm. Um, in her case, and in Robert Pat- Pattinson's case, often as well. I think this might be the only post-Twilight movie of hers that I've really enjoyed. Except for maybe, what, what's it called, Ghost, uh, the, the OVA Asa Yasa. What's it called? Mm. Oh my god, the Ghost of Bristol Shopper. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I thought, she was, I thought she was good. I thought she was fine. Obviously, Vigo and we uh, uh, soured over the past. Uh, I thought their relationship was really romantic and nice. I don't know. 
So I believe Leah Salvador was originally supposed to be Natalie Portman. <laughs> Leah Salvador was supposed good, to be the Kristen good. Stewart character. Really? And it all got shifted around because of COVID. Oh, I'm glad that I'm glad that uh, Miss Sourdough was the, the role that she was. In. I think she would have been better than Portman would have been. Yeah, but I, I really liked the relationship that he that she and Vigo had. I thought it was really sweet. <laughs> I don't know if you agree with me. I, I just I don't know. I just I thought the parallels to like David Cronenberg's own career were, you know, annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, man! You just find everything annoying. You don't like anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that. As is often the case with Cronenberg's films, at least for me, he has trouble carrying his ideas to a, a satisfactory conclusion. Mm. Well, I, I don't thought, think this I concludes this, especially I this movie satisfactorily. Is perfectly. It's like yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I guess I don't. I don't know. You're talking about him eating I, the I, fucking. I find a lot of his films half baked. He's a half baked director. No, he's not. He's a full baked director. Half a half a loaf of David Cronenberg. So that's your number two. You just, hate, you just hate you just hate Jews. That's all it comes down to. I like Aryan Australians, as is exhibited by my number two choice, Interceptor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's hear it. Yeah, you know that we talk about the same wing. Yeah, there's only one word for this film, and that's masterpiece. <laughs> Riley esque. Well, I'm glad you got some Australian cinema on there, bro. That's right. Pretty highly ranked as well. Uh, Interceptor did not make either of my lists. The fuck, bro? <laughs> You're cancelled. <laughs> I can't, I don't really remember anything about it, actually. Except that it was great. I don't, great I time of the movie. I remember there's things that I enjoyed about it. I can't really like remember. Like the entire film. From go to work. Doesn't the dad have like some funny line as he's like killing himself or something like that? Yes, it's all funny. <laughs> what does he it's say? Great. It's funny. What does he say? I can't remember. Good time. You don't have to remember it. You just have to enjoy if, it. If we if we had seen it together, this would have been a ten out of ten. But <laughs> I don't even watch stuff where really it was only. Uh... All right. What's your number one? My number one is A Bit Addiction by Terrence Davies. Yes, a British film. <laughs> I know. Uh, I thought this movie was really beautiful and moving um, and extremely sad. And, uh, I thought it was just extremely well done. Um, I, I just find the way it evokes this life that has been just completely hollowed out by the big characters and Real life poet as Siegfried Sassoon's uh, experiences of World War One and the inability of society to change to adapt to that, and it kind of paints that as a failure to become something greater along both that lines and uh, in the fact that how um, both repressed and suppressed is his uh, uh, gay white has to be in post-war uh, England. Um, I just thought this was, I just thought it was wonderfully done. Very beautiful. Obviously it cost a, a shoestring to make, but I think the low budget works in its favor in a way. Um, and uh, I, I thought it was just beautifully done. Um, really sad. What do you got? Oh, <coughs> sorry. You, you beat it off. Um, see here my number one film of the year oh so you hate Jews and gays that's, that's, that's all I got 
was uh <laughs> yes i honestly have no idea what this is i have no idea it's uh ss rajamoli's triple r oh so you're a hindu nationalist that explains everything i don't know what his political affiliation is or his religious affiliation is anyways let's see let's hear your opinions about this movie it's a very enjoyable film for a film that exceeds three hours, so that alone should be enough to recommend it to you. It is the second film by this director that I've actually seen. I didn't realise it was the same director who directed uh, Eager. Eager. I've always, wanted to, I've, always wanted, I've always wanted to watch that. That sounds great. Which I have watched, which is good. Um, but uh, this is very enjoyable. It's almost worth seeing, aside from the, the well-stained action sequences, etc., it's almost worth saying for the, for the throwaway love story between uh, one of the protagonists and um, mm. uh, one of the British women in this film. Because mm. <laughs> they don't even share a language. They can't communicate to each other. <laughs> so they can, the connection is kind of a little bit inscrutable. That makes it, and uh, it just, all the it more just at the end, like, oh, yeah, they're together now. It's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Even though she's, like, just sitting by not protesting while one of them is getting tortured by the English. <laughs> it's very funny. Like, she's she's upset. Like, it shows she's upset when mm. that happens, but she's not, like, trying to stop it. <laughs> and they just end up together at the end. <laughs> and they haven't even exchanged a word that either will understand. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, so there's a lot of, like, throwaway stuff. It has, like, that similar kind of... Uh, almost mercenary, mercenary quality of a lot of like Hong Kong cinema where it's really just trying mm. to be the most entertaining possible vehicle for the audience. Mm. Um, and it is undeniably very entertaining. Mm. The musical sequence is really good. Some of the action sequences are great. Um, the, the CGI stuff is hit and miss. I do like what uh, Indian cinema is doing with CGI these days in comparison to uh, a lot of other uses of, of CGI that, that we're familiar with um, in the West. But it doesn't always work that well. Mm. There's a scene where, like, all like all the animals in this film are CGI. Mm. And there's a scene where a lot of animals run riot mm. in front of, like, a, ma a, a colonial mansion. Mm. Generally, like, half successful. Like, it's, some of it's okay, but anyway. But there are some really good action sequences in this. I do recommend you watch it. I do think you'll like it. Okay, and, okay, okay. Well, all right, that's the year. Oh.